Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute of medical advice of physicians. You may review the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bone Talk. I'm Heidi Skolnick, a former board member of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. I'm also an exercise physiologist and sports nutritionist, and really excited to welcome our guest today. Join me in welcoming Penelope Wasserman, founder of Million Dollar Bones, an osteoporosis prevention education program, and she is president of Sea and Flower, a new company that is the first to integrate seaweed into the commercial baking process. Penelope has been a featured presenter at the Meeks Method annual conferences in Sundance, Utah, and Baltimore, Maryland, where she first introduced Million Dollar Bones to the physical therapy community while she was an osteoporosis support group leader in Albany, New York, and where she first started the first teen support group in the country. Her work in gentle Pilates, gentle dance, and scoliosis management has been featured internationally in numerous presentations and media channels. Penelope is currently a member of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's Ambassadors Leadership Council. Penelope, thank you so much for joining us here today. Heidi, thank you. And thank you, everyone at Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. And I am thrilled to be here. So Penelope, tell us a little bit more about your background and specifically your experience with movement and exercise for bone health. Well, I have to say I started dancing at four years old and never really stopped. And over 20 years ago, I started teaching Pilates and noticed a lot of people coming into my studio had questions about their bone density. They had osteoporosis, they had osteopenia, and they didn't know what to do. And so figuring out how to help them, creating dynamic movement modifications, making things fun, working on osteoporosis management and prevention through movement became my specialty. I know that you have mentioned, you know, we chatted a little bit before we started and you mentioned that your passion is prevention. Can you tell me, you know, when that became such a passion for you, how you found your way to that aspect? Absolutely. Well, I was a single mom. My kids were young. And the more I was learning about osteoporosis, the more I understood that it is a pediatric condition that manifests in adulthood. So if we're not working to keep our bones healthy through mindfulness, through nutrition, and through movement, up until we're in our early 20s, we're at a loss for optimal bone health. And I can equate it to say oral hygiene. You know, as children, we're taught to brush and floss so we have our teeth for the rest of our lives and so we don't get plaque in our arteries. Our bones are the same way, but people aren't taught about their bones. And I saw a gap 
And that's why I created the Million Dollar Bones program. That's really fantastic because I think it's true. I think a lot of people think of it as something that happens later in life. They don't make that connection that you are building your peak bone at 90% of your, the bone for life is built by age 19. You know, that you really close that door in the 20s. So you're building peak bone mass into your 20s. So that's really such a wonderful and important message um, that you're sharing. Now, what I decided to do was test my theory. And I started opening the studio on Saturdays to teenagers and saying, come on in, I'll give you a free class. And we're going to learn about our bones. And I put together a deck or or a presentation. And I realized that a lot of the kids learned in different ways. And so we had cooking lessons. We, you know, had a lot of talk. We did uh, meditation. You know, I would hear way too much about their home life. But, you know, oh, my grandmother has osteoporosis. Or my Mm. friend with an eating disorder has osteoporosis. Mm. Yeah. You know, I'm in sports, but I can't touch my toes. And I started seeing that these young teenagers, they weren't in as good enough shape as they should be for their age. And like the pieces to the puzzle coming together more and more for me. And they were saying, why hasn't anybody told me this? How come I didn't know this before? I really, really love that you do sort of this multi-sensory, multi disciplinary sort of way in to helping teach and increase that awareness that you're using cooking, not just food, but actually, you know, hands-on skill building, exciting ways, meditation. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how you key into whatever it is that the person cares about and gets excited. So even when adults would come in you know, I would say, well, what was your favorite song when you were 10 years old? Or, you know, when's the time in life that you felt just joy? And then what brings you that joy? And then when you start getting into that vibration of peace and happiness and that stress reduction, and as we know now, stress affects bone health, you know, that's when you can start teaching and people start hearing you and learning because you're making it fun. You're speaking their language. So in my world, you know, we do talk a lot about exercise and purposeful movement to help improve bone health and all sorts of, you know, aspects of our physiology, our cardio health, our strength, our mobility. But I know that you talk not just about exercise, but you sort of back it out. You really like to talk about alignment as being important. Can you expand on that? It helped explain that to me and the audience. Absolutely. So if you think of your bones as your infrastructure, you know, our bones support us They in space, they hold us up against gravity, which is why we need weight bearing. But just as our bones do that, the way beams support a house. So if you think of a house that has the ceiling, which is also a floor, that has to be level. So the chandelier hangs from it, the, you know, the walls are up and the house doesn't fall down. Well, in our bodies, our pelvis divides us into top and bottom halves. Our spine sits in it and our legs hang from it. If our pelvis is crooked, then the rest of our body is going to adapt to that crooked position. The frustrating thing for most of us, because We wear shoes, we sit for long periods of time, it's a sedentary lifestyle, 
And our motto, by the way, is you can't spell slouch without ouch. But because people have that C-curve posture so often in their daily routine, it means that their pelvis has gotten a little crooked. And then what happens if you go and start exercising with a crooked pelvis, you're strengthening these compensatory movement patterns. So you're basically strengthening crooked. And eventually you end up in pain. Now, fast forward, if you've got osteoporosis and you're strengthening crooked, you'll give yourself a fracture. And that's why it's a huge, huge mission slash passion of mine to help people understand how the alignment and that posture correction that they can easily do at home, that I want them to strengthen a correct posture and not a crooked posture. Because you wouldn't want to have a sneeze break a bone, as you know. So you're really saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, is the sort of foundational. It's sort of like the building blocks to even creating an appropriate movement plan, exercise or movement plan, depending on how you approach it, is to start with alignment and then build from there. Absolutely. Once they have this better sense of alignment, how do they progress? If they have the alignment and you know they're young enough, they just do what they love to do. I mean, hopefully somebody just has fun and, and goes and does their sport and does, you know, but also practices the alignment exercises every day because they actually feel good. You know, it's kind of exercising that doesn't feel like exercising. I do my alignment routine and meditate at the same time. So I kind of. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. And tell me uh, some reasons why dancing and Pilates and other forms of movement is just so important to our bone health? So for bone health, we need to do weight-bearing exercises. So that means you work using your body against gravity to, to stimulate your bones. So anything that has you standing on one foot or, or both feet or jumping or hiking or, you know, dancing, of course, Pilates is great. Specifically, I love standing Pilates, but there's a lot of Pilates that is not good for bone density, specifically if you've had that diagnosis. You want to avoid anything that puts your body into a C-curve. So, you know, I, I would say to the kids, happy posture versus sad posture. So if you see somebody that looks sad and their head is down and they're slouching and they look like they're carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders, that's a posture that you shouldn't be in while you're exercising. So I see what you're saying. So with dance, one of the reasons, I mean, it's your, again, your passion. I keep saying that word, but you, you just light up when you talk about it. I love it. But the reason, so dancing is just a wonderful example of a great activity to prevent osteoporosis and for those with, because you can modify it as you need, but it does that. You can move from side to side. You practice balance with it. Yeah, you range can, of motion, you, flexibility. You can include jumping if your body can take it. Right, you can turn. You can play with your arms. You can. I mean, there's so much fun you can have with choreography, and there's so many types of dances aside from just doing what feels good. In fact, I know we're going to be sharing Tyler Peck's Osteo a Go Go, and for me, I turn it on and I pretend I'm her backup dancer. You know, it's <laughs> like. Whatever it is, it really doesn't matter as long as you're having fun with what you're doing. 
And um, dance is just a wonderful way to do that. Now, when you get into choreography and all the stuff that as far as your brain development and memory and things like that, and, you know, moving one arm one way, another the other way, while your legs do something else, that's just an extra added bonus. If you're, you know, going to take a class and learn, that's just great for your mind and your bones. So you gave me a great lead there. Thank you. To remind everybody to check out the Osseo Go Go Dance. So I want everyone, all of our listeners, to get involved and help us raise awareness about osteoporosis. Osteo Go Go is a campaign to raise awareness and to dance your way to good bone health. We encourage you to create and share your own version of the Osteo Go Go. It's choreographed, as you said, by the New York City Ballet principal dancer Tyler Peck, who's just fabulous. In She's really wonderful to follow and see all of her creativity. But she really helped create this Osteo Go-Go, which is a short, fun dance. Um, It's sure to inspire you. And for people of all ages, to boogie for a good cause. So show us your moves. Either follow what she does or create your own dance. And, you know, don't worry about getting it perfect, as you say. It's just a matter of moving. The important thing is to get moving and do it at your own pace, add your own personal touch. And if you can remember, try something new, or if you have questions about certain moves, then of course, always talk to your healthcare provider. We're going to include a link in the show notes for the listeners to go and see where they can see the dance. And then we encourage you again to, I think Osteoporosis Awareness Day is on the 20th of this month. So to go ahead and give a dance a try. Hopefully you'll really love moving and it'll bring a smile to your face as well. And I have to add too, I -hmm. think that Tyler would just really appreciate seeing that. I know when the pandemic started, I had been taking, I used to take ballet classes all the time. Obviously everything closed and Tyler was teaching ballet classes out of her apartment every day on Zoom. And she's just one of the most lovely young women I've ever encountered. So I'm sure she'd love to see everybody doing her dance. But let's say, you know, that I gave that little caveat at the end, if you're uncomfortable or, you know, so let's talk about that. Are there any movements or exercises that those people who have osteoporosis should avoid that we want to people be aware of? Thank you for asking that very, very important question. So anything that, puts your body into a C-curve position and loads it, like a sit-up in Pilates, it would be hundreds. Things like that are very, very bad for you because they can cause a stress fracture on the front of your spine. So we know that when we have osteoporosis, the bones at most risk for fracture are those on the front of our backbone, our wrists, and our hips. So for example, any over-twisting with weights, uh, side bending things, especially without using your core muscles, you want to totally avoid. For those of you who practice yoga, exercises like the pigeon, where you pull your knee into your chest and kind of cross and lie on your leg, wouldn't be good for your hips. Sitting is the most uh, puts the most compressive force on your spine, so you want to be careful what exercises you would do sitting while you're in a seated position. That's really amazing because I think of many classes I've seen for people with low bone health and they have everyone sitting and doing the exercises. When to your point, yeah. it's better to either stand or be flat on the floor 
rather than exactly. you know you're lying on your back with your knees bent you know you're creating this length in your spine from the top of your head your crown through your tailbone and that's beginning how you find your neutral pelvis position and strengthen that but if somebody doesn't have osteoporosis then they could do whatever movement they want feels good like they, they right. could if be somebody doesn't it. have osteoporosis i would just right. still stress that they understand how to work from a neutral pelvis position. So back in the day in the 80s, there were lots of celebrities teaching aerobics classes where they were having you do pelvic tilts and uh, strengthening this position that actually put you in a C-curve position. I don't know if that's going on the same way, but you know we need to work for elongation in our spine. And then any exercise that you can do lying on your tummy where you lift your head and chest, which strengthens the muscles up and down the back of your backbone, these extension exercises are very good for you. So that is opening you up. The other thing, oh, go ahead. No, I, I think that's one activity or exercise that many people do not participate in. And it's a real yeah. easy one to include. And it has been shown to really, you know, help prevent. Right. I mean, there's been studies, the Sanaki Mickelson study showed that, you know, you're actually better doing nothing at all than doing forward flexion exercises. Mm -hmm. Now, the back extension, a lot of people don't like to do it because it kind of feels that bone on bone sensation, but it's actually one of the most important exercises you can do for your posture and for strengthening your spine. And I always tell people to pull your belly button up toward your spine before you do it to help support you. The you other don't thing are very far. You know, the other thing is no, it doesn't oh, have to be very It's actually a very small motion pulling in what we call the erector spinae muscles, like the muscles along exactly. the, the length of your spine. So you don't really have to do a big extension, but Not rather at all. Sometimes it's just lifting your forehead up. It's, you know, yeah. baby steps to get there. The other thing I ask people to notice is when they're standing you know, are you leaning on one hip or the other? Are you pigeon-toed? Are you turned out? Do you put more weight on the outer edge of your feet or the inner edge? Or, heel? you know, I start helping people understand how to utilize their feet. I also love those toe spacers that the pedicure people put in between your toes because they work to elongate your toes and create an equidistant space between the bones in your feet. And as we age, just as our bodies tend to go into that C-curve position, if we don't work to avoid it, our hands and our feet tend to curl into each other. So we really need to have strong feet and strong toes to support us and help us for balance. So something yeah, else. Thank that you for that. Because it's a reminder. I know, again, I'm more of an uh, I do. I love dance and I don't take enough class, but I do love to exercise as well, which means I'm always wearing my sneakers and I have to remember mm -hmm. to take my sneakers off and work those smaller muscles in my feet yes. and my toes. love too. get some peppermint lotion and massage your feet and really, really stretch out your toes. You can soak your feet. We, uh, it's funny because as a dancer, yes, as an athlete, and my specialty was always performing arts as well as osteoporosis, but it's not just dancers and athletes. I mean, teachers, uh, nurses, you know, almost everybody spends lots and lots of time on their feet 
and at some point in their life has to deal with some kind of foot pain or some kind of misalignment. And what they don't realize is that how your feet are directly, directly connected to how your spine sits in your pelvis. So if your feet are crooked, your hips are crooked and vice versa. And the feet is kind of, it's easy fix. And then you said something else that I want to emphasize is, you know, I think we think of cardiovascular exercise or strength. And now you, we've talked about posture and alignment, but that other element, which is balance and how balance becomes so important, especially as we age um, in terms of preventing falls. And so what are some activities or movement patterns that you encourage people to engage in to help them practice or get better at balance? Well, first of all, lying in bed, I really like ankle pumps, just, you know, flex forward, pointing your toes, flex, point, flex, wiggling your toes, using the toe spacers, as I said, circling your ankles and starting to find what the range of motion is in your feet first. So everything I do is like the easiest and the simplest And then I layer it, as we were saying, like to get harder and harder and harder. So the first thing I like is for people to just find out what the range of motion is in your feet. And then you can use TheraBands to begin, like with your ankle pumps, to begin strengthening and that sort of thing. And then when you're standing, you can begin, you know, holding onto something carefully standing on your tiptoes. So you begin to strengthen always by engaging your core. So drawing in and up with your navel and below to help you strengthen and, you know, making yourself really tall, you can go on your tiptoes and then just begin to bend your knees a little bit and straighten your legs, bend and straighten things like that. Then you can lower your feet onto the floor and feel the difference between what does it feel like when I put weight on the outer edge of my feet or the inner edge, outer edge, inner edge. And then you find that neutral base of support which is almost like a triangular base. If you had a dot in the center of your heel and a dot behind your pinky toe and a dot behind your great toe and you made a triangle and you kind of stretched out your toes, pressed down into the floor with the triangle as, you know, as a dancer kind of working with the floor, but then try to lift your arches off the floor, but leaving your feet, soles of your feet on the floor. So start to engage those feet muscles And what you'll find is, what's really exciting, is as you press the soles of your feet into the floor, you're going to feel that ground reaction force from the earth coming up through your feet all the way through your legs into the hip socket. And that's the energy that's going to serve to start building strong bones when you start working and walking that heel ball toe with alignment. So That's what I recommend people to do first. Then once they have that sensation, start standing on one foot. And then I play games like, well, brush your teeth standing on one foot. Do things that are safe or, you know, play with your kids or play your favorite song standing on one foot. (laughs) Lifting out of the supporting hip. So I think those tips of, you know, like, how can I do this and integrate it into my life? Like I can do balance exercises when I'm brushing my teeth. Like it doesn't even have to take all this much time or have to be separate. Or you do start your balance exercises before you get out of bed in the morning by doing your ankle pumps or at the end of the night, 
you know, while you're lying in bed by just kind of moving your feet around and saying, thank you, feet. Thank you for supporting me in space all day today. (laughs) So that leads me to the next question. I feel like you've already given us so many great tips, which is what advice can you give to someone who's having trouble getting motivated to get moving? I was saying before, that's my favorite question. The people that are having trouble getting motivated, maybe they're having trouble because they don't believe they can do something or they were never an athlete or they were never a dancer or they're just overwhelmed. When someone would come into the studio or when I talk to them now, I'll say, well, what what do you like to do? Or what's your favorite song? Or what's your favorite color? Or what's your, you know... I get them to a place in the conversation where they are motivated. And maybe it has nothing to do with movement, but maybe they can start in that place where they're excited. Maybe they're baking or maybe their you know, child has a, a dance recital or may, maybe something else is going on in their life that they can have, it'll light a fire. It'll be a spark for them that they're excited about. And then I'll find a way that that relates to their bones or that relates to their health. And maybe it's through nutrition or maybe it's through mindfulness or maybe they're not getting enough rest or maybe are they getting, are they drinking enough water? You know, if somebody has a chronic like fibromyalgia or headaches or something else going on, it's hard to get motivated to exercise. So I'll try to go into a deeper dive rather than just, you know, I could also say to them, well, when you're, when you're doing housework, turn on some music and maybe you'll just, at some point, you'll start dancing to the music while you're doing it. But I think it really depends on a person because when the individual it doesn't want to do something, the last thing that they should do is start doing something in that state of mind. There's so many different ways to approach it. I really appreciate what you're saying. And I do think that knowledge alone isn't always enough to motivate someone, although knowledge is pretty powerful. And before you know, it's hard to do. And then Mm -hmm. gaining skills and confidence. But there is a huge amount of support that one way that we get motivated is by doing. You know, once you do, you feel. Whereas you don't always feel like doing. And I think that's a really... I'd say go for a walk, get out in nature, get some fresh air. I don't know about you, but I like to make vision boards. I like to take pictures of people I admire or fashion I like and, you know, maybe do something. That's why I said, if you can imagine, you're not going to be Tyler, but maybe you can imagine yourself being her backup dancer. And that could be fun. You're not going to be Tom Brady, but maybe you can imagine yourself out there on the football field. Mm -hmm. Somehow, maybe just by getting out, taking a football out to the park and not having, you know, taking one bite of the apple at a time, not saying I'm going to eat the whole pie at once. So when we talk about movement, you know, there's movement, there's physical activity, and then there's exercise. And Mm -hmm. I guess I imagine exercise being a little bit more purposeful and maybe progressive, whereas physical activity includes so much more. And dance is so accessible. That's, you know, and 
gentle dance. Explain the difference between what gentle dance is. Well, gentle dance might be just sidestepping and a heel drop or a hip flip or, you know, a snap or, you know, something like that. Gentle dance is choreography that is accessible for a non-dancer. Got it. And someone who maybe doesn't have rhythm. And as far as exercise and mindfulness, I couldn't agree more with you. I heard there was something I wanted to say. I just lost my train. Well, I mean, I think the thing is there's a place for both in life and everyone starts at a different point and again, progresses. I am a big fan of finding what brings you joy, but I have to say as somebody who is now older, although again, I've always been more athletic, being purposeful, I don't always feel like doing, but I like the results. Like I like feeling stronger. I grew up in a generation where if you had a pair of running sneakers, you know, get out and walk or run. It was really all about cardio. Whereas I have learned that, you know, lifting weights and staying strong is so important and helps our bones, helps our strength, helps us as we age. And so I'm a big proponent of that. It's not like you have to choose one over another. You can dance and you can lift weights. And kind of, I do both. You're right. And I recently started weightlifting, going to the gym with my husband. We walk to the gym. I do the weightlifting. I feel totally out of my comfort zone, but yet I'm proud of myself that I'm doing it. And Uh with aging, as you know, sarcopenia and after the age of 60, your, your muscles start to atrophy faster. You need more protein. There's so many reasons that weightlifting is really, really good for you. I wanted to let you know one of the reasons that we started the bread company. So the bread is meant to be a sea and flour power. It's to empower everyone who eats it to know that they're eating something delicious to help build strong bones because there's seaweed in it, but also because it's good for the planet. It's carbon negative. And my goal is to put on the QR code of the bread bag links to safe exercise. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Because I don't know that there's a food product out there yet that teaches you how to move safely and just move effectively. So I thought we're going to be the first where, you know, you go to the QR and, you know, maybe it takes you to BHOF and it shows you all the great bone building exercises that you can do. That is so awesome. That is great. Yeah, I'm excited. You have great vision and and it sounds like you have throughout your whole career. I wanted to say one more thing about you and you were talking about weightlifting and I want to say it's strength training, right? Because it doesn't have to be weights. And I think that could be intimidating for people as well. If that's not their background, as you said, you were brave and you went to the gym and you started lifting weights. It can be lifting weights. It could be using elastic bands. It could be using your own body. It could be functional movement. You know, so there's so many different ways. You know, that's true. I tell people who want to make their, we do a Pilates sidekick series, which is really, really good. It's a safe exercise. And when they ask about weights, I say, do it with your sneakers on. You know, so just adding a shoe while you're doing these leg strengthening exercises and hip strengthening exercises are really good. I love all the elastic bands. You're right. And of course, consistency. You know, that's the thing is we don't have to get too overwhelmed, but that consistency really, really does matter 
even more than anything else. And if you don't know where to start to go ahead and reach out and find through your local community or through your website, you know, ways in which to get started and have some guidance, because I do think not knowing is a barrier, you know, becomes an obstacle when the really the information is out there and it need not be so intimidating. Especially when somebody has excuses they can give themselves for not doing something. And what's interesting about the gentle, like gentle dance, gentle Pilates, gentle movements, they don't feel like exercises. You know, you can even, if you can't get on the floor, which I hopefully people can do, but if you can get on the floor and lie on a mat, you can do shoulder presses while you're lying on your back. And that's strengthening the muscles in between your shoulder blades to give strength to support your thoracic spine and to improve the head press is going to strengthen your neck. So these are exercises that really don't feel like exercises. Mm. And they're as, or I would argue, maybe even more important than doing some of the bigger muscle groups, Mm -hmm. just because are targeting the muscle on your spine and to help with posture. And like I said, I do that while I'm meditating. I know you're supposed to be really still when you meditate, but. I'm going to give a little plug, actually, since you brought it up. I am actually the author of The Whole Body Reset. It's a New York Times bestselling book that just came out this past March. And it's really about helping people midlife and beyond prevent sarcopenia, maintain. So for those who may not really know what sarcopenia is, we actually begin to lose our muscle beginning in midlife. It's not something that just happens when you're 60, 70, 80. We actually begin to lose our muscle starting in our 30s. We lose about a little less than 1% per year. And if we don't do anything to counter that, we will lose more and more muscle. It is part of aging, but it is not inevitable that we lose to the degree that we do. And so by eating more protein, 25 to 30 grams per meal, which is there's an anabolic resistance that we experience and we have to reach a threshold to eat above that in order to push the muscle building button. So eating adequately, eating more protein, which that's not a hard message to eat more, along with the strength training and movement will go a long way to keeping us vital and strong and engaging in all of the other things in life that we want to do. That is such important advice. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for writing that book. And congratulations. Thank you, Penelope. I appreciate that. So Penelope, you said that you, when you were working with prevention, you had dancers, you had athletes, you were talking about all the different young people you were seeing. And I think the thing that's really remarkable is to think that at that age, there are all of these young young people who think they're doing things that are healthy, like participating in sports or taking dance class, and don't realize that their diet behavior is what may be getting in their way. So I had right. mentioned peak bone mass, and you had mentioned teaching them about cooking and eating, a basic skill, but really part of the challenge is the diet culture that surrounds us and that these young people might be dieting thinking trying to you know reach this thin ideal that doesn't match their body and in doing that they're hurting their bones absolutely I, you know i don't know if it's as bad as it was when i was that age i think 
there's more, um, pe- people seem much more comfortable in their own skins and not trying to be very thin. Although I think if you're in a, like a ballet world or an ice skating world or something like that, it might not be the case. Um, I know Miss Copeland was trying to change it. I don't, I don't know though what it's like anymore. I think there's a real range. I think, I, I hope that there certainly are those who feel more comfortable in their bodies and to be their authentic selves and to recognize genetics and, you know, backgrounds all create different body sizes. But I still right. think that there's a huge pressure to, at that age, particularly to fit in, to look more like each other than as they get older, maybe to differentiate and feel better. And I think there is a lot of pressure for, um, it is both sexes. I mean, again, one of my my specialties is the athlete triad and where young people might, or anybody at any age, can um, be under eating, have low energy availability, and, it, and then they repartition where their energy is going so they could do their activity, but then they don't have enough to fuel their bones or their... Uh, or people become vegan. I know a lot of people who say, oh, my teenage daughter's vegan. I'm really trying to get her to eat enough protein. She's exhausted and skinny. I, you know, Heidi, I think we have a responsibility to get this into curriculum in a what, you know. Yeah. I love your idea about that. I don't see why I think working with, um, working with government, working with, uh, corporate, working with food companies, I, there's no reason why we can't do this. I mean, look what they, you know, between oral hygiene, between cancer prevention and not smoking, there's no reason that kids can't learn at a young age how to keep their bones healthy and strong. And that's why I've been doing this, you know, but I've been doing this now for 20 years. There's a, I know there's a young woman named Isabella Leff who's working closely with Sally Fulman in New Jersey to put together a school program. And she's a senior in high school now. And I was talking to Isabella a few months ago, trying to help her. And you, you know what? Re- this doesn't have to be in the um, recorded, but she did a survey. 90% of the young women that she surveyed mm-hmm. said they have nine out of 10 stress level. Mm. Yeah, now that's a problem. And that's a problem that causes the cortisol level to mess up your bones. So I'm all in for us doing something to get this into the curriculum of every school district. Just the way I want our bread to be served in every cafeteria. I want this conversation to be had in health classes, in nutrition classes, in phys education, physical education classes. In art classes, they can build bones, they can build the osteoclasts and the blasts in science classes. And children shouldn't have to say, why didn't anyone tell me? And I'd say, you guys, your parents don't know either. It's not that they're trying not to teach you something. Right. So level of awareness. Let's make sure everybody knows where to go to check out your website and your sea and flower bread. Absolutely. Can I share one quick book with you too? Of so course. this book is kind of a primer, if you can see. I don't know if you our listeners can't see, so you'll have to say it. It's called Fracture Proof Your Bones, a comprehensive guide to osteoporosis by Dr. John Neustadt. 
And I actually edited the chapter on exercise for him, but it is a really, really good place to start, especially if you're just learning about osteoporosis and want to know what to do. It's a great, great start. Okay. We'll be sure to include that in the show notes as well, because I think it's sometimes hard for people to be writing down while they're listening. So we'll go ahead and do that. Are there any other points that you want to, or messages you want to get out to our audience before we wrap? I just hope that everyone is committed to never giving up on themselves, never giving up on their bones, on learning new things. I hope everybody reads your book. I hope everybody follows us at Sea and Flower Power and tastes the bread when it comes out and eats it and loves it and because it's going to help your bone density. And also, if you go to Million Dollar Bones, we have lots of little tips. We have video flashcards. We have exercises. We really ramped it up during COVID because so many young people were dealing with so much stress. And we... We're looking for a way to help alleviate that. So anything, you know, I can do, just email me. And I is it all right to say happy World Osteoporosis Day? Because I don't feel like we should be celebrating. But I do want to acknowledge that, you know, October 20th is World Osteoporosis Day. And if everyone can just get out and go for a walk or march around their house or dance around their house, with Tyler's OsteoGoGo, I think it's a good start to um, having a much, much uh, better year for your bone health. So maybe it'll get everybody moving around. That's a great message. Penelope, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your expertise with our listeners. We appreciate that you have shared your wonderful insight on the benefits of movement, exercise, and dance for bone health. We have links to resources and materials associated with this episode at bonetalk.org. For more information about how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please visit us at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. Did you enjoy this episode? If so, then please do two things. One, subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode. And two, please share with all your family and friends. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the bone health and osteoporosis foundations podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel BHOF's mission with financial support, visit bonehealthandosteoporosis.org.